Welcome to The Green Investor, powered by Investopedia. I'm Caleb Silver, the editor-in-chief of Investopedia, and your guide and fellow traveler on our journey into what it means to be a green investor today and where this investing theme is headed in the future. On this week's show, the sun is shining on solar stocks again. We'll look into the future forecasts for the renewable energy industry and fund flows into ESG and SRI funds slowed in the first quarter, yet the big got bigger. At the same time, there are some notable fund closures and a few that are on the brink. We'll name names. And a new exchange-traded fund has made a splash in the market. The New Day Ocean Health Exchange-Traded Fund from New Day Impact in partnership with the legendary Cousteau family launched this week just in time for World Oceans Day. We'll talk to Doug Heskey of New Day and Philippe Cousteau about that ETF and how it could be a new model for green and blue investing. But first, and always, this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. We will not make recommendations to buy, sell, or hold a particular security or asset, although we may discuss financial products with our guests. Some of our guests may invest in the securities mentioned on this podcast. Some of our guests may sell or market securities mentioned on this podcast, but all listeners should do their own research or consult with their financial advisor or broker before making any investment decisions. We like to follow the money here at Investopedia, and it's especially interesting when we look into the fund flows into ESG and SRI exchange-traded products like ETFs. We know that demand for ESG exchange-traded funds cooled during the first quarter of the year, with net flows coming in at less than half of those seen at the beginning of 2021. A bull market in fossil fuel stocks may have had something to do with that. Net sales were roughly $24.9 billion, compared with nearly $53.5 billion during the first quarter of 2021, and that's according to data from ETFs. That's a pretty pronounced shortfall. Total global assets in ESG, ETF, and exchange-traded products grew by 3.2% over the year, reaching a high of $390 billion as of the end of March. That's up from $370 billion a year ago. Over the past 12 months, those products saw a total of $131 billion in net inflows, with March making the 39th month of consecutive positive sales figures. It's a steady rise, albeit uneven. Well, where's that money going? Well, according to our friends at ETFDB.com, most of it to the same big green ETFs that have been getting it for the past 12 months. Here they are. The iShares Global Clean Energy ETF, ICLN is the ticker. That's a $5 billion ETF. TAN, the Invesco Solar ETF, $2.3 billion. The First Trust NASDAQ Clean Edge Green Energy Index Fund, QCLN is the ticker there. That's a $2 billion fund. And the First Trust NICE ARCA Biotechnology Index Fund, ticker FBT, a $1.3 billion fund, and then there's Alps Clean Energy ETF, ticker ACES, that's $653 million assets under management. On the other hand, a few notable ESG ETFs are delisting. The Global Decarbonization Transition Leaders ETF, ticker CLMA, will delist on June 10th, and it was opened less than a year ago. And another highly touted climate ETF started by a group of major financial institutions is set to close after less than a year because none of the backers pitched in with the anticipated funding. The impact shares MSCI Global Climate Select ETF, ticker NTZO, that was launched in November at the end of the United Nations COP26 summit in Glasgow to much fanfare, but to date, it has only accumulated about $3 million of assets. Unless the exchange-traded fund can show a pathway to amassing $100 million, the break-even amount to offset costs of running the product, by the end of June, it will likely liquidate as well. The ETF NTZO was touted as a key deliverable by the group of financial institutions whose leaders make up the Global Investors for Sustainable Development Alliance, GISD. We're going to talk a little bit more about GISD later in the show. 
Solar stocks and ETFs got a big burst of energy this week. The Invesco Solar ETF 10, the one I was talking about earlier, is up more than 30% from its lows in May. The Biden administration declared a 24-month tariff exemption for solar panel products from several Southeast nations and announced the use of the Defense Production Act to promote more domestic production of solar products. The move comes just as a Commerce Department investigation into the solar industry, particularly in China and Taiwan, has made it more difficult to import solar components into the U.S. Solar tariffs against those countries will remain in place. The tariffs were originally put in place by the Trump administration, with Biden announcing a four-year extension back in February. Publicly traded solar companies in the U.S. last quarter reported their worst quarter since the beginning of the pandemic, with installations dropping 24% from the same quarter a year ago, according to the industry's trade group. And another piece of good news for the industry, Interior Secretary Deb Halen announced last week that her department would be having the amount it charges to build solar and wind projects on federal lands. Let's do the news. Record high gas prices here in the U.S. are starting to wreak some demand destruction. Gas consumption actually fell over the past month as drivers were reticent to fill up as prices rose nationwide to record levels. But they may have reached a breaking point. According to AAA, 67% of drivers recently surveyed said they would change their driving habits if gas hit $4.50 a gallon on average. That's already happened. That number rises to 75% at $5 a gallon. JP Morgan is predicting gas prices to hit $6.20 by the end of the summer, so we can expect to see if consumers can keep to their words. It's hurricane season, and this season's Atlantic hurricanes will continue the trend of more violent, frequent, and costly storms. The 2022 season, which officially kicks off this week, is expected to be the record seventh straight year with an above-average number of storms that reach tropical strength or greater. The U.S. National Weather Service expects up to 21 such storms this year, which is well above the annual average of 14. The National Hurricane Center names storms when they reach tropical strength, with winds reaching at least 39 miles or 63 kilometers per hour. The first one in 2022 that reaches that mark will be called Alex, which could come this week as remnants of Pacific Storm Agatha cross over Mexico. Tropical storms become hurricanes when their winds reach 74 miles per hour. Two major factors are creating ideal conditions for hurricanes to take shape this year. One is warm ocean temperatures in the Atlantic, which provide fuel for storms to intensify. The other is La Nina, a weather pattern that weakens wind shear or sudden changes in wind speed and direction and makes it easier for tropical cyclones to form. Forecasters are calling for La Nina to continue through the fall. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission came out last week with its most aggressive plan yet to stamp out greenwashing in the financial industry. Specifically, the agency is targeting those funds that have been luring in billions of dollars marketing themselves as stewards of environmental, social, and governance principles. The SEC has proposed two rules. The first would expand an existing regulation to ensure funds labeled ESG invest at least 80% of their assets in a way that truly lines up with that strategy. The second would require additional disclosures in annual reports and marketing materials that show how a fund or financial advisor takes ESG into consideration when investing and also calls for funds to report their greenhouse gas emissions. The Investment Company Institute, one of the most influential lobbying groups on behalf of the money management industry, says reporting emissions is, quote, unworkable. That's because some of that information, according to the lobby, isn't publicly available. Remember, the SEC is also collecting comments on its most recent proposals around climate impact and corporate reporting. So expect a flurry of new rules and regulations coming from Chair Gary Gensler and his commission. 
Austria issued its first green bond recently, raising 4 billion euro or $4.26 billion to fund sustainable projects, and it joined the Netherlands, Germany, and Britain in the sustainable income market. The lead manager said the issue had more than 25 billion euro in investor demand, underscoring continued interest in green bonds despite the downturn in global markets this year. Greece intends to launch its first green bond later this year, which will be a milestone given Greece's recent history in the debt markets. Japan is asking its citizens and companies to conserve electricity by using less light and turning down the temperature of the refrigerators. Japan, like many other nations, is facing a summer energy supply squeeze and escalating fuel import costs amid the yen's plunge. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida's government convened the first national meeting in five years dedicated to discussing the power outlook as it prepares for tight supply through the coming months and during the winter, according to the Japanese trade ministry. A new set of voluntary guidelines for Chinese companies to report environmental, social, and governance metrics just took effect, paving the way for what mandatory disclosures might look like in the future. The guidelines, developed by China's biggest companies and government-backed think tanks, list more than 100 metrics that are generally aligned with the global benchmark of draft rules issued by the International Sustainability Standards Board. China is the world's largest emitter of greenhouse gases, and it's trying to catch up to global peers on reporting standards as part of its push to reduce emissions and meet a net zero target by the year 2060. Researchers of a new peer review study say they've developed the first detailed roadmap for how the United States can achieve its ambitious climate pledge to slash the country's greenhouse gas emissions in half by the year 2030. The study, published in Science late last month by researchers at the Energy Systems and Climate Analysis Group at the Electric Power Research Institute, found that it is both technically feasible and financially beneficial for the U.S. to rapidly transition to clean power sources and electric vehicles. Specifically, the study found that the U.S. can reduce half of its emissions in eight years by focusing on its two most carbon-intensive sectors, electricity and transportation. The easiest path? By 2030, more than half of the new cars sold in this country would need to be electric, and at least 80% of the electricity produced would need to come from solar, wind, or renewable sources for the U.S. to achieve its greenhouse gas-cutting goals. The United Nations World Oceans Day is being celebrated this week, and while we should celebrate and protect our oceans every day, it's always good to focus on our most precious of natural resources, even for one day alone. And now, you can invest in helping protect our oceans through a new ETF, an exchange-traded fund from New Day Impact, a San Francisco-based asset management and financial technology company that brings responsible investing to those who seek investments that reflect their values, kind of like the folks who listen to the Green Investor podcast. The New Day Ocean Health Exchange Traded Fund, which trades under the ticker AHOY, launched this week and it aims for long-term capital appreciation through investments in companies that are diverting ocean-bound plastic waste, supporting sustainable fisheries, controlling ocean acidification caused by CO2 emissions, and actively using strategies to combat ocean pollution and other threats to marine health. Doug Heskey, the CEO of New Day Impact, is behind the team bringing that ETF to market, and they are doing it with Earth Echo International, an environmental nonprofit organization established by Philippe and Alexander Cousteau in honor of their father, Philippe Cousteau Sr., and their grandfather, the legendary explorer, Jacques Cousteau. Doug and Philippe are our special guests this week to talk about the launch and welcome both of you to The Green Investor. Caleb, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Doug, let's start with you. This is your first ETF, I believe. Why did you choose this theme for your maiden voyage, so to speak? It is. And Caleb, thank you so much for having us on the show. This is a very, very important day today. It's actually the 30th anniversary of World Oceans Day. And when we think about the connection between what is our most important 
environmental ecosystem of the oceans, there couldn't be a stronger link to climate and climate change. So we wanted to bring something to market that was foundational to making the changes that we need to make to support a uh, healthier planet and for all of its inhabitants. Explain the tie-in with Earth Echo and the Cousteau family, and then, Philippe, I want to get to you with a couple of questions. As a part of the work that we do at New Day, while we are an institutional asset management organization, we oftentimes get referred to as more of a collective action platform. We have made a very deliberate decision to form what are these incredibly important and distinguished relationships with organizations like Earth Echo International. And we could not imagine having a better organization with a better leader in Philippe that has decades of experience, his own work and through his family's work in supporting ocean ecosystems and ocean health. So we are, as an organization, very focused on the cause of democratization, on providing what is education for responsibly minded individuals and institutions so that they can make better, more responsible decisions. So uh, Earth Echo has been a big supporter of ocean literacy, in particular with the younger generation that will be the leaders of tomorrow in getting this work done. Philippe, this is an unusual but very interesting way of raising both awareness and money for your foundation's efforts. We know a lot of philanthropists dedicate a lot of their money to marine protection, but we rarely see financial products dedicated to this effort. Why do you think this will work? Well, it's it's critical to recognize that, you know, we need financial markets moving in a consistent and positive direction. You know, we need political will and we need social will and we need our economy moving in a in a more restorative direction as well. And the potential and the value of an ETF in particular is exciting to me and our team at Earth Echo because it democratizes access to these kinds of investments. It allows anybody essentially, you know, to invest into the ticker Ahoy so that they can move capital and start having restoration of the oceans represented on their balance sheet. And that's critical to start making financial institutions and individuals you know, really stand up and take notice of you know, how important the ocean is, not just to our health, but also to our economy. And so this is another way, another tool that we can leverage in order to drive positive change, to drive resources, but also to recognize and reward the companies that are leading the charge here that, uh, that we need so desperately. Yeah, I love it because it's not just writing a check to an organization or writing a check to Earth Echo, even though you guys are going to get 5%, I believe, of some of this money. This is about investing in the companies that are making the change. So for investors, it's not just, I'm going to write the check and I'm going to call that a, a write-off. It's, I'm actually actively participating as an investor. Tell us more about Earth Echo Foundation. What are your goals and what are your big projects right now? So Earth Echo International was founded about 16 years ago. And as an organization, we become one of the leading youth environmental education organizations in the world. We're really focused on building a global youth movement to restore and protect the ocean. And, and I, I want to point out one, one word there, restore. That's really, really important. We're big believers. You know, I've been at this my entire life. I'm the third generation of a family that's dedicated themselves to this work. And what we've witnessed over those three generations, really, literally, my grandfather being the first to scuba dive and scuba diving, take underwater cameras and documentaries. What we've witnessed over those past 75 or so years has been a catastrophic decline in the health of the ocean, in biodiversity. And what we've seen over the past few decades, fortunately, the good news is we've also seen a growing movement of a younger generation that understands these issues, is connected to these issues, and recognizes that we literally cannot have a future without a healthy ocean. We can't solve the climate crisis without solving the, the ocean crisis. And so fundamentally, as an organization, Earth Echo was founded to help give resources and tools, knowledge and training to young leaders around the world. And that's what we do. We work with 
hundreds of thousands of young people around the world every year providing resources and tools and gathering and community to mobilize a global movement because that's what we need. We need the new generation to wake up and recognize that the path to true sustainability is by restoring the ocean um, to abundance. Yeah, I was afraid to ask, but I'm going to do it anyway. You and your family have a better sense of what's happening below the surface of our oceans than most people out there. And the headlines are bad and they're getting worse. But you did give me some optimism there. Are we too late to make a real change? Or do you see real change actually happening? We're never going to get back to the way it was. But how optimistic are you? Well, you know, I, I choose optimism over anything else. I think hope is the most important the virtue. And, and, you know, when I look at what's happening in the world today, yes, there is a, an extraordinary amount of bad news. But optimistic and determined and in many cases, you know, motivated, somewhat angry, I will say, young people out there about what's happening to their world and seeing how sophisticated they are. And we're not just talking, you know, beach cleanups and volunteer drives. We're talking young people that are raising enormous sums of money that are passing laws, that are starting businesses, that are mobilizing movements of, you know, as we saw with Greta Thunberg so, so famously, but there are so many of young people like her around the world that are mobilizing millions of young people to fight for these issues. But we're also seeing, and this is where Ahoy and this is where what New Day is doing and our partnership there comes in. We're also starting to really see, I think, a genuine commitment on the part of corporations to recognize that they have a very, very important role to play, both in reducing usage of you know plastics and all those kinds of things, but also looking at how we actively invest in innovation. And so when we think about new material science, seaweed, for example, that's being developed to replace fabrics, you know, cotton and being used as a plastic alternative, when we see offshore renewable energy skyrocketing, when we see these new commercial, you know, business-based enterprises that are tapping into the restorative power of the ocean, not in an exploitative way like oil and gas, but in a restorative way, that really gets me and my colleagues very excited about the, the future. That's great. Doug, let's talk a little bit about the portfolio. What's in Ahoy? What kind of companies are included? What's the criteria you're looking for that you were looking for as you assembled this ETF? And so across the entire portfolio, we will have a combination of what we define as direct impact companies or pure play companies and indirect impact companies. So direct impact companies being organizations or constituents like Tetra Tech or Jacobs Engineering, which is one of the top ranked global environmental firms doing really important work associated with ocean seawalls and things like that right now. Or organizations like Xylem, which is a leading provider of technology solutions to address water issues and things like that. We also including a group of organizations that are international that are working on sustainable fishing, aquaculture. So organizations like Hitachi, Zosin, and a few others as well. So Every company in the portfolio will have some level of impact, whether it be direct or indirect, on ocean health. So this is your first, but you're going to learn or you're probably already learning how difficult it is to not just launch an ETF, but to market it to attract investors. Speaking of podcasts like The Green Investor is one way of doing it, but how are you going to get it out there? And how are you going to raise the awareness about this product to let people know this is a way you can invest and do right at the same time, which is, I think, where a lot of this theme needs to go. You need to have solution-oriented investing if you want big money to follow. Caleb, that's correct. And we have spent the last five years since the inception of our organization building what are really strong relationships with foundations that are working in the area of ocean health, but also big family offices that are directing capital to these important causes. In addition, and as Philippe had originally pointed out, that we are very much committed to this idea of democratization 
It was one of the reasons that we did make the decision to deliver the portfolio as an exchange-traded fund. So virtually anybody anywhere in the world that has access to an account at a financial institution can own the Ahoy ETF. And so some of those institutions include organizations like Schwab and Fidelity and TD Ameritrade and even Robinhood, where there is a high concentration of younger people opening investment accounts today. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And giving them access is key and making sure they understand and are educated about it is super important as well. And Philippe, I know that's something you're passionate about as well. You have a pretty big platform. How are you going to be using it to sort of let people know about this beyond conversations like this? This is something obviously you believe in and you're, you've tied your organization to it. But what can you and your family do to lean into it as well? Well, you know, certainly through through our network at, uh, at Ertheco, letting young people, you know, help us be evangelizers for the importance of, you know, how we look at our investments in financial markets and how those can be a force for good or a force for bad, you know, and of course the press and, and social media, et cetera. But I, I, you know, I just want to point out that when I think about so often the conversations that I have with people about this, it's overwhelming to try and sift through who's good, who's bad, who's doing good, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and really what Ahoy does is it allows people, anyone, anywhere, as, as Doug pointed out, not only to invest in this, but invest in confidence and recognize that we're doing the heavy lifting for them. And so this is, I think, a, one of a growing movement of these impact investment funds that are really authentic and really looking at how we can provide an easy way for people to begin to engage in this social and environmental impact investment movement. Yeah. By picking the companies and showing the criteria and how the portfolio is assembled, I think that's so critical. Education, we believe it here at Investopedia. First step in anything is understanding the situation and understanding the companies you'll be invested in. And this is for both of you, but Doug, take it first. ESG, SRI, Impact, so many names out there, so much confusion in the marketplace, but also a lot of greenwashing going on right now. And to launch an ETF right now that's so important at such an important topic, focusing on such an important topic in the midst of a lot of chaos around the nomenclature and what we call things and and who's doing right and who's doing what, it's got to be very tricky. How are you navigating that? Yeah, Caleb, and I think the skepticism that exists there today is somewhat justified. There are a lot of major financial institutions that have rolled out what they define as ESG and impact investment portfolios, but very little to show for regarding impact outcomes. So we at Ahoy or New Day through the Ahoy ETF are taking a very different approach to this. So, and we understand that the exchange of one common share from one holder to another doesn't necessarily translate to impact. This is an active portfolio. So we are actively engaging with the corporate organizations on issues of materiality relative to ocean health within the portfolio. That's number one. Number two, we are capturing the insights from organizations like Earth Echo International and a number of others regarding the important work that's going on associated with ocean health today and the things that are really moving the needle in deep and transformational ways. The third piece of it is something that you already identified in that we are taking a percentage of our revenues associated with Ahoy and directing them back, that those revenues back to Earth Echo International so that they can continue to do the work that they and only they can do from a grassroots organization perspective. So it's critically important that shareholders in Ahoy, that Owners of businesses and public securities use their shareholder voice to advocate for change. It's a very important part of impact today. And sure, on on your side, Philippe, you probably hear pitches all the time from 
financial services companies or various companies that want to associate or align with your family name or with your foundation or with your efforts. How did you select to work with New Day? And how do you sift through who's real and who's not in a situation like this, where again, you people want to work with you? It's pretty obvious. You know, it's, it's not an easy thing. And, and oftentimes, you know, these days we take our time and most of the time relationships like that don't work out or come to fruition, those kinds of requests, I will say. We built a relationship with New Day over what three years now, and it's been a long time of building trust and building building that relationship. And we take that very very seriously. And it's walking before you run, and that's kind of what we've been you know building up over time. So this is not something that's just come together in the last few months. This is something we've been collaboratively working on for for almost three years now, and that's how we like to go: slow and steady, build trust, build relationships. And there's very few that we that we choose to do that with, but um, we've done it with New Day. You've put the time into it. Obviously, you guys have a good working relationship. If this is as successful as you want it to be in your wildest dreams, looking out two to three years, Philippe, are we going to see more ETFs like this? What does this mean? And what do you envision manifesting if this works out great? I think a couple of things. One is, yes, one to start to set a baseline standard for, you know, to help people sift through the, some of the criticism and, the, and the, you know, is, is, is warranted out there around, you know, this movement. That does not discredit or mean that the movement itself is not valuable and should not be embraced and advocated for in, in advance. So setting a standard that people can look to and say, you know, that's how to do it. And of course, reaching a volume that can really impactfully, you know, as, as Doug said, one of the pieces, the impact pieces from the commitment of, of Ahoy is to continue to support Earth Echo's youth leadership, education and, and training movement. And as we grow our footprint around the world and continue to engage with all the young people that we do, the resources and you know that can come to us from Ahoy will just continue to help us grow our uh, you know our impact, and that's uh, that's a critical metric by which we you calculate success. It's a fascinating model, and I love the fact that it's not it's active but not activist. It's participating in the growth of these companies and in the education of, of folks in the sector, and you're aiming the the money at companies that are trying to do the right thing. So wish you both all the success in the world. And we're going to be tracking this pretty carefully. I hope it works out. And we hope we see a lot more ETFs like this in the future. Doug Heskey, the CEO of New Day Impact, and Philippe Cousteau uh, from the Cousteau family and of Earth Echo International. Thanks so much for joining The Green Investor. Caleb, thanks so much for having us. Appreciate it. Caleb, thank you. It's time for Green Facts, that part of the show where we get to dig into some fascinating facts, figures, or products in the world of green investing. This week, we're looking into sleep. And according to researchers at the University of Copenhagen Center for Social Data Science, climate change is playing a big role in negatively impacting our sleep patterns. According to the findings, which were published in a peer-reviewed study in the journal One Earth, by the end of this century, sleeplessness related to global warming will be so prevalent that our descendants will likely lose two and a half days of sleep per year compared to levels that typical adults enjoy today. Kelton Miner, a doctoral student at the University of Copenhagen Center for Social Data Science and the lead author of the study, said that he and his colleagues found that sleep loss per degree of warming occurs approximately twice as much among the elderly as compared to younger or middle-aged adults. That rate was approximately three times higher for lower income versus higher income countries. Miners said that nighttime temperatures are warming faster than daytime temperatures for two reasons, anthropogenic or human-induced, and climate change and urbanization. Medical research has shown that lack of sleep is one of the primary causes of heart disease, especially in older people. It's all connected. It's time to unpack the acronym and deconstruct the alphabet soup that is green investing. We're going to go back to the top of the show when we brought up the GISD, the Global Investors for Sustainable Development Alliance. Remember, 
They back that Impact Shares MSCI Global Climate Select ETF, ticker NTZO, that was launched at COP26 and is also on its way to delisting. That group of 30 financial institutions only raised $3 million for that ETF. Well, who is the GISD anyway? According to its website, the GISD is a group of 30 leaders of major financial institutions and corporations from all over the world, supported by a strategy group appointed by the CEOs and by the United Nations System Partners, coordinated by the UNDESA. That's the Department of Economic and Social Affairs. Its members include Citigroup, Banco Santander, Infosys, CalPERS, Nuveen, the Agricultural Bank of China, some real heavy hitters. Its mission, according to the website, is to work together, harnessing their insights as private sector leaders to advise on removing impediments and implementing solutions for scaling up long-term investment for sustainable development. It says it does this by increasing the supply of long-term investment for sustainable development projects worldwide, using innovative financing and tools to scale up long-term investments, and to increase the positive impact of private investments for sustainable development. There's a lot of programs out there like this, and I encourage you to check them out to see what, if anything, they're actually doing with the money that they have. We're going to celebrate this week in environmental history with another twofer, two for the price of one. Back on June 7, 1940, the Bald Eagle Protection Act was passed by the U.S. Congress. While the act was designed to protect bald eagles from human hunters, it could not protect eagles from DDT. That pesticide is blamed for an enormous decline in the number of eagles from half a million to less than 500 by the year 1963. Today, there are over 300,000 bald eagles in the wild, and hopefully they continue to make a comeback. That's my spirit animal. World Ocean Day is celebrated on June 8th. The day was first commemorated by the United Nations in 1992. And as I said earlier, every day should be Ocean's Day. We need our seas. Thanks so much for joining us this week and every week on The Green Investor. We have links to all the reports we cited in our show notes, which you can find wherever you listen to this podcast and on investopedia.com slash Podcast. Rate, review, and recommend us and send us feedback. What topics are you interested in in the world of green or environmentally conscious investing? We want to know and we'll make sure to get to them. And special thanks to Doug Heskey and Philip Cousteau for joining the show. And take a look at that new ETF, Ahoy. That's the ticker. I'm curious to see how investors respond to it. Until next time, keep it green and thanks for listening.